You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 191, covering Sons of Moog and Bar Association. Hi friends, it's us again. Hello, we're back. We're here again as we are every each individual week. Yep. To talk to you about some stuff. Yep. Some Star Trek stuff. Yep. Not, you know, not other stuff. No, occasionally other stuff. We do we do occasionally digress. It's been known to happen, but it's really not why anyone's here. No. Nobody no one shows up to the post-atomic horror and hope to talk about Star Wars this week. Is that ROM? Yes. We got brother. a lot of ROM this week. We did. Yay. Is this the show where you talk about the Star Wars? <laughs> yes. Stargate? SG-1? Farscape. I watched an episode of Stargate at my dad's house this week. Yeah. Apparently he's a fan. It is not very good. You you may alienate some people saying that, like I did when I said, I what was it, Quantum Leap or, I don't know, one of those yep. shows. Somebody... Look, I stand by this. Okay. Stargate, not very good. Well, maybe you were watching one of the, like maybe you were watching The Voyager of Stargate. That's possible. Because there were several You spin-offs. mean Stargate Atlantis? Is that what that... I don't know. I, I have no fucking idea. I don't know which one is the good one and which one isn't, but it's... I know Atlantis is a spinoff. There's been like five, though. Right. And may- who knows? Maybe that's the DS9 of Stargate. All right. I don't know. I could not say. But I'm not here to talk about to. that. I'm here to talk about Star Trek. All right. Deep Space Nine. And in fact, you're up first because you're going to talk like, why about... don't you tell me about the episode I'm going to tell you yes. about? Yes. <laughs> tell us about Sons of Moog. All right, so Worf and Dax are in the middle of a sweaty training session when Worf gets a call from Odo. Mr. Worf, there's a drunken Klingon here to see you. Why, it's Kern! Worf's brother, Tony Todd, and the most passive-aggressive Klingon in the whole gosh-darn empire. See, it turns out that when Gowron stripped Worf of his land, his titles, his honor, that went for the rest of the House of Moog, too, and uh, while Worf doesn't really care about that, it kind of shat in his brother's gach. So, with no honor, Kern wants Worf to ritually murder him. Sort of like Worf, when Worf asked Bill Riker. And, unlike Nails and frankly surprising the crap out of me, Worf doesn't pussy out. He fucking stabs Kern right in the fucking heart. <laughs> Unfortunately, Dax and Odo arrive just in time and beam Kern to sickbay. Meanwhile, in space, Kira and Chief O'Brien encounter sus- suspicious Klingon activities and occasional random explosions. When they try to investigate, a Klingon bird of prey decloaks and sends them on their way. Well, nothing suspicious there. Back on the station, Worf is in a lot of shit for, you know, that murder he tried to commit. But we're a forgiving sort on DS9, so we'll let him off with a warning. But don't do it again, you crazy kids. Worf tries to find something for Kern to do instead of dying, setting him up with Odo's security team, which works out fine until a chance to kill himself comes along, and then Kern's back in sickbay again. Womp womp. Meanwhile, Kira's been doing some research on the mysterious Klingon mysteries and figured out that the Klingons are placing mines all along the Bajoran border. Which is a lot of mines, since space basically goes forever in all directions. <laughs> anyway, she and O'Brien also find another Klingon damaged ship, which they tow back to DS9 for repairs. Once there, Cisco has Worf and Kern slip on board to find information about the mines. Which they do, after Kern kills a Klingon soldier, completely destroying his honor. Wait, I thought you already didn't have any honor. Look, man, you gotta make up your mind, okay? It's one way or the other. Finally, back in his quarters, Kern tries to kill himself, but Worf has a better idea. He bonks Kern on the head with an oversized Klingon novelty hammer, giving him amnesia, and then ships him off to a different Klingon house upstate. 
They're proud. They have honor. The house even has, has a pool. It'll be great. I like the theory that that's not happening at all. Yep. That they're actually going to still kill him, but they told the Starfleet guys, no, 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 no. He's, he's going to a farm. It's, yeah, it's cool. He's, he's going up to a farm where he can run in the grass. and. Right. I feel like we've made we've both made that joke several times before. So This is true. Probably good you didn't put that in the summary. But I strongly considered it, and then I thought, I think I put that in last week. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure you and I have both used that one. There's only so many dead dog jokes I can make on a show. Yeah, and and without the Casey Kasem reference, there's even yeah. fewer. God damn well, now there's dead no Casey- dog. Well, now there's no Casey Kasem anyway, so... Right. Well, now we're not going to upset him. Because he was an avid listener of the show. <laughs> I really like listening to that post-atomic horror. It's really ponderous, man. Okay. Well... So let's talk about the House of Moog. Who's in the House of Moog exactly? Okay, so we have Worf. Yeah. We have Kern. Uh-huh. We have Alexander, maybe. Yeah. And... Uh, Name some more. Rest? I don't think they're... See, I'm not really clear if the house just refers to blood relatives or if it's like a whole, like, allied people as well. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. Because the thing is, like, I'm pretty... We talked about this. We're pretty sure the House of Moog's not great. Well, okay. The the earliest ancestor we know was Colonel Worf in the uh, Kittimer thing when um, Kirk and Bones were accused of assassinating Gorkon. Yes. And he defended... A Klingon lawyer. Yeah, a, a Klingon so, public defender. So there's points. But public defender already, like, not doesn't even get to take his own cases, has to, like, defend the people that are probably already guilty. Yeah, Saul Goodman's better than a public defender. Right. I although I, I'm 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 assuming like that the Klingons do the same thing as Cardassians, which is probably not true. Mm. Like they don't you're not automatically guilty. So maybe maybe that's wrong. But yeah. still. Uh, secondly, he was also he was also defending the worst person ever in the Klingon Empire. Yeah, possibly the the you know, the the biggest enemy ever. Yeah. In Klingon history, apart from Tribbles. Yeah. And so set up to lose. Yeah, and then he lost. Yeah. So so there's that. Uh, mm. Moog himself uh, was accused posthumously, but still accused of, mm. um, of of collaborating with Romulans. And then there's Worf, the worst Klingon. And then there's Worf, the name of the Worf spinoff. <laughs> there's uh, in in Penn and Teller's bullshit. Uh, there was sort of a running thing where Penn would would always say, "And then there's this asshole." <laughs> Just a shitty picture of Worf. Yep. Um, but I, I think, like, I mean, even even Worf's biggest defenders, even, like, Nate, who was a huge Worf fan, will admit yep. Worf is not a very, like, he's said as much. Yeah, Worf's, he's a terrible Klingon. Yeah, not a very good Klingon. Interesting character. Mm-hmm. You know, and Dorn is a fantastic actor and, and you know, all that, and is a well-thought-out character, but yep. the character is written as a bad Klingon. Yes, among other things. And that has become way more apparent since he's arrived at DS9, where I think the writers figured out, wait, what we set up is basically a guy who's barely done anything Klingon and mostly knows the stuff out of books and just yep. sucks at it. Yep. As uh, as Kern will be quick to point out over and over and over again in this episode. Uh, well, as you point out in your summary, he is very passive-aggressive, but he's also not. Like... He he goes back and forth between being passive aggressive and just being openly defiant. Yeah, like so, brother. Your comfortable beds. 
First thing he says when he wakes up, ah, you've put me in a comfortable bed next to a glass of headache solution that I specifically asked for. The first thing he says what when he wakes up What kind of Klingon is, are you? I need something for my head. And then he gives him something for his head. Why would you give me this? <laughs> wow. What is your deal, dude? I just hate you so much. And really, I hate comfortable. That's like, I, I think you pointed this out uh, in reference to something else recently. That's like an 80s cartoon villain. I yep. hate nice things. <laughs> I hate comfort. Really? You well, hate like, comfort? Everyone likes comfort. It's comfort. Well, it's like going back to, like, first season Worf when he, like, hated bathing and admired fish people. Yeah. It's just like, oh, I get it. It's he thinks that he thinks that bad things are good because he's yeah. wacky. Yeah, they're they're tough guys and they don't like our softness. Yeah, we don't need to do that anymore. Yeah, We've, what, what, Klingons are well established at this point. But the thing is, he goes between just openly insulting everything Worf says and does, mm. and then, as you say, being super passive aggressive about. Well, if you're the elder brother, so I'll do what you say. The way you put that, I keep expecting him to come up behind Worf and give him back massages. <laughs> hey, brother. Ugh. No, that would be Rom. <laughs> hey, brother. Rom is absolutely the Buster Bluth of, uh, <laughs> of DS. <laughs> if only. Look out, a loose seal. If only he could lose a hand. An Andorian loose seal, I guess it would be. Yeah, of course. Um, So, I don't know, what's your good thing? Um, I'm actually a little surprised that we have both Dax and Chief O'Brien so willing to jump to Worf's defense about killing Kern. Um, the usual Starfleet feeling with stuff like that is, this is wrong, Starfleet is right, you're not allowed to murder people. I, the fact that they're willing to give Worf the benefit of the, of the doubt because it's Klingon religious stuff, that's really impressive to me. They don't usually do that on Trek. I agree, but I think they tried to have it both ways with Dax. Where she's been, I mean, we've established over and over again. She's mm. been around all this Klingon stuff. She knows what the deal is. And yet, she pieces together what Worf's about to do and runs and stops him and brings Odo so that it doesn't happen. Well, because that's the thing. Because, like, I figured with, like, the fact that they're doing it on the station means if he'd actually gone through with killing Kern, he'd go to jail. Yeah, I like, suppose that's true. Like, I realize that it's a Klingon, like, or I, I realize it's Klingon tradition. But again, Bajoran Station, murder. I'm I'm still not entirely clear on how all that works. Because if it's their tradition, mm -hmm. I don't know. I it it seems it seems like you just leave it to them. Mm -hmm. I it seemed to me like if they really wanted to go through with this, they're gonna need to go to a Klingon space station or a Klingon world or something. Like someplace in the Empire that Klingons They can't though, because they're disgraced in the Klingon Empire and they're not welcome there. Well, then I guess they're shit out of luck. No suicide for you. Sorry. Yeah. Maybe you could go out on, like, a runabout or something. Yeah. I, I No, because that's Federation property. Well, maybe they can rent a ship from Quark. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm... I'm they get it next to the incense. I just... <laughs> Which he sells. Yes. Which is how Dax pieces together the... If you're wondering who the number one incense seller on DS9 was, wonder no further. It's Quark. Well, and the thing is, he ended up just selling him uh, replicated incense. Yeah. So Quark will just take your money, go over to the replicator, which you could do yourself in your own quarters, yep. and, and replicate up a thing and give it to you for money. That doesn't surprise me even a little bit. No. But it's like, why would you even bother going to go get something if you could just 
dial it up in your quarters. I don't know. There's packlets on the station. I'm sure Quark's more than willing to take advantage of stupid people. Oh, yeah. Well, we're pretty sure those same two packlets have been wandering around the station since early season <laughs> one. They don't know where their, their airlock is to get back to their ship. Has anyone seen our ship? <laughs> we are lost. Oh, hey, brother. How you doing? <laughs> are you our brother? We are lost. <laughs> oh. Has anyone seen Jordy? Are you are lost? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he came here to visit in a crossover about uh, three years ago. <laughs> Jordy the Forge on Deep Space Nine, this must be a crossover episode. They... <laughs> they got really excited when they saw Thomas Riker on the ship. They thought the Enterprise would come back. <laughs> Jordy is here. Hey, hey, come back. Do you know Jordy? We are looking for Jordy. So, really, though, back to the... Okay, I agree with you that it is nice that there are a couple of Starfleet guys who are kind of tolerant of, like, okay, I get yeah. Klingon stuff, but I don't know where the line is. Like, I mean, I guess the line is murder. Yeah. I mean, Cisco specifically says, that's the line. Yeah, and he even, like, he hangs a lantern on, I know I'm supposed to respect your culture, but fuck that. Murder. Yeah. No. Yeah. you don't just get to kill people. Yeah. It's not I, people, it's my brother. That doesn't make it better. But on the other hand, Worf has to know. Like, he's got to know at this point if that's the Federation's attitude toward his stuff. Why Why would he even try? I don't know. Worf gets away with a lot. That's true. This is not the first person he's killed. No. And it's not the first commander that's had to bitch him out for doing shit that's you yeah. know, completely counter to what he's, like, supposed to be doing. Like, I mean, honestly, I could see him just being all like, I can take care of this. Yeah, oh, that's fine. I would just I would just look sad to Picard and he'd forgive me. Yep. It doesn't work on Cisco. Not on the Enterprise anymore, buddy. Yep. You can't get away with just killing the other guy. Nope. Wait, Especially what? if it's a guy you're supposed to like anyway. Like, yeah. Like, okay, I, I could sort of almost buy into your rights of vengeance thing, but mm. uh, now, no, no. Not I'm really working. Duras, you know, that's fine. Yeah, killing your brother? Not so much. Okay, but I do kind of from a, like, it does make sense, like, mm. from a cultural perspective, that if you are dishonored, then you can't die honorably in battle, and basically the only option left to you is to have someone kill you. Yeah. Because it makes sense to make suicide, like, a bad thing. Yeah. So, I mean, I get it. It makes sense, like, in the context of, of, um, of Klingon culture. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, you kill yourself and then you get to re-roll your, uh, you get to roll yourself a new life up in, uh, Stovacor. Oh, is that how that works? Yeah. Or down in Stovacor. Hang on a sec. Over Where's Stovacor in relationship to Earth? I, I'm not sure. Is it up or down? It can only be one of two directions. Well, it's probably in space, so I would say up. All right. Although if you go down long enough, then you're going up again. I, I don't know. I don't I don't really understand how that works. Yeah. I don't understand how up works. You have to see that movie. Up. Yeah, I haven't seen that, so I wouldn't know. Yeah. Um, An old man will teach you how gravity works. Oh, well, yeah. Just tie enough balloons to stuff. <laughs> that I do I'm know. solved. Yep. Um, my good thing mm. is the chemistry at the beginning between Dax and Worf is oh, yeah. fantastic. These two, like, like, it seems like the producers are trying to match up different characters. Like, like uh, O'Brien and Kira get some scenes together this week, yep. which they've never really had before that I can. No, remember. and they actually they they do all right themselves. They actually. they have some fun chemistry. Like Kira, just the fun little scene where Kira is just like sleeping in the runabout, yep. and she's like, "Wow, I never sleep this long at home." And he's like, "Oh, well, I, I guess you're bored with me." Must have been the company. Yeah, but they're just fucking with each other. He's not yeah. actually mad. 
No. But uh, but then Dax and Worf have this nice like Worf's like uh, you're distracting me with your outfit. He's talking about like she's showing a little cleavage, and she's like, uh, "How dare you!" And then there's a little cutaway, and you see she's like smiling. She's like, mm-hmm. "Yep, that's totally what I was doing." Yep. And anyway, you're distracting me with your growling and snorting and Klingon crap. Yeah, that was a nice turnaround. Yeah. Like usually it would just be the dude saying to the chick, "Well, stop being so sexy." But he turns it around, or she turns it around, and says, yep. well, "You're being sexy too." It was, I, that's a nice way to like give Dax a little more sort of like control of the situation there yeah she's not just using her tits to get his attention there's there's something going on there yeah i like that and and the actors have a really nice chemistry and then later in the episode when it goes to she's the only sort of outsider that kind of gets what's going on mm-hmm. it, it stays there yeah like no, it's the, like they put per- their flirtation on hold but there's still something going on there and i like yeah no Worf really brings something out in dax you know yeah no, and and we've talked about this where we remembered Dax being great, and we kind of remembered wrong, but she's getting there. Yeah, she's doing a lot better now that Worf's here to you know because, give her Klingon shit to do. Yeah, one of the more interesting things about her has always been the Klingon stuff, and so now there's mm-hmm. a Klingon there every week. Yeah, it it helps. Like before he showed up, the best uh, her best episodes were like the one where she hooked up with those three Klingon guys. Right. Absolutely. As opposed to, you know, learning about her past or something, which we usually just find out is boring. Yeah, or waiting to die. Yeah. Sure wish I was dead. Mm. That is a very Klingon attitude now that I think about it. Yeah, but she would just sort of passively sit there with her hands folded and wait for someone else to deliberate her fate. (laughs) Maybe Worf will bring me a knife I can fall on. (laughs) Isn't that basically what Kern did? Yeah, basically. I do like him becoming a security officer and then getting immediately in a situation where, like, he gets to get killed. Yeah. Like, so oh, here's are... here's my way. It's sort of like the opposite of suicide by cop. Yeah. This is what I've been waiting for. Yep. Yes, shitty alien guy who's terrified. Shoot me in the chest with your disruptor. Oops, I didn't draw mine soon enough. I oh. guess I'm dead. Oh. Too slow on the draw. And, of course, Odo figures that out right oh, away. Oh, instantly. He's like, yeah, you're, uh, this isn't going to work when your brother's got a death wish. Yeah. Not that endangers my guys who don't want to die. Right. He, Shockingly, there's way more of them. Every time, like when I went over his schedule, he pointed at each day and said, good day to die, good day to die, <laughs> good day to die. I, just, it, 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 I can't work with that. <laughs> So yeah, but no, I and and let's like I guess this is uh, Tony Todd's last appearance as oh, as Kern, nice. which yeah. is too bad. Um, it's nice we get him twice this season as two very very different characters. Yeah, but um, Kern in particular, like he was fantastic as old Jake. We talked about that. Oh my but, god, he was. But I don't. I can't think of any other actor that's better suited to play a Klingon. No, I was actually I was watching I was watching it yesterday uh, for prep. Mm-hmm. And I'm sort of watching him do his, like, his whole, yes, brother. Mm-hmm. Like, man, <clears throat> to- <clears throat> Kern is to mouth as Gowron is to eyes. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. But the it's thing just, is, it's, it's, not a, it's not a feature that jumps out at you when you see normal Tony Todd, like playing old Jake. No. You don't say, you stick- wow, that guy has a huge mouth. No, but you stick some Klingon teeth in there and have him start going, brother. Yeah. No, then it definitely like jumps out yeah it's like wow <laughs> that man will eat the world yeah but really i mean he's got the i mean he's huge he's physically yeah. imposing and he's got the personality like the intense personality and he's just got the look 
Yeah. Of like, uh, you know, it's just everything <laughs> about it is just perfect. He's definitely got an uh yeah. to him. Um, my bad thing is that ending is the biggest cop out of all. Like, it feels like such a next gen ending. Like, here really is a complex does. moral issue. Let's neatly solve it by sidestepping it with bullshit technology. Yeah, it's like, well, Kern wants to die, but we can't kill him. Yeah. What if we trick him? And the one of my favorite things about this show is it usually doesn't go for that easy cop-out answer. No. It usually would either kill him or make him have to live with his disgrace. Yeah. That's what this show typically does. And so it was super disappointing that they just decided to take the easy, oh, this option I... was available all along. Yeah. No, it wasn't. No. And this is actually, this this ties into my bad thing. Like, right. It's a bad... It, I also hate this ending, but for different reasons. Okay. So, let's let's talk about this for a second. So, ritual Klingon suicide mm -hmm. between two Klingons. Yeah. Perfectly legal and recognized on the homeworld. It's still illegal on DS9. That's fine. But it is an established part of Klingon culture and religion. Okay. It's fine. Yeah, like I said, I think it makes sense in the context of everything we've seen in their culture. It totally fits everything we know about Klingons. Absolutely. Now, it's not cool to do on a Bajoran station... Kidnapping a guy. Well, they didn't kidnap him. They knocked him out. Yeah. Wiping his memory and then handing him over to another family. Perfectly okay. Yeah. No one bats an eye. Not a problem. I I mean, I guess it'd be okay if it was just Worf and Dax, but they also bring Julian into this, which is... Wow, such like that goes so against the Hippocratic Oath. Well, now there's a there's a a, a, a comment about this in Memory Alpha by I think Ron Moore because Ron Moore wrote the episode saying how how is Julian fine with this? And apparently there was a scene in there where he expressed his you know moral like qualms yeah. and they and they talked him into it and they had to cut that for time or something. Mm. So there's that. Yeah, but I still I, that's I, that's still I. I don't think Julian would be okay with that, frankly. I don't either. And and the thing about Julian, as far as an ethical doctor goes, he's pretty much on the same page. Like, Bones and Beverly and Julian are pretty much the same as far as... They're, this, they're like, very principled doctors, yeah, you know? They're all, they're all very different characters. Yeah. But as far as we are the conscience, we are the, you know, like, we, it's our job to fix people and we won't cross this line. They're all pretty much on the same page. Yeah. But instead, we just have, like, Worf basically bring his unconscious, unconscious, really drunk brother up to sickbed. Okay, wipe his memory. Yep. What? Now, how would you feel if Kern had agreed to this? Oh, that would have been fine. Okay. Like, if it's, Kern had it, said, well, I, I, I see no other option, yes, go ahead, do that to me. Yeah, and that, like, that would have been something that would have been easy to set up, too. Right. Like, it's just like, well, I, I, had a, I have an idea. Yep. That's a good idea, brother. Let's go do that now. He wouldn't. He would. Oh, that's a good idea, brother. Yeah. Do you yeah. think? <sighs> but the fact that they that he's unconscious and they drag him up to sick bay and just here. Yeah. No. It's <laughs> We're bullshit. getting rid of this. Yeah. It's it's definitely bullshit. It is. It's very bullshit. It's very against most of the characters. And apparently, they had entertained the idea of uh, bringing him back. Hmm. I think it could have been an interesting, like, I think it would have sort of undone the bullshit if they had done a follow-up episode where the memory wipe didn't completely take. Yeah. Or even better, what I was, I was kind of thinking this out. What an interesting story would be is Gowron finds out mm -hmm. and exposes it. 
Yeah, that would be awesome. Because that would be a huge scandal for this other family who who agreed to take him. Mm -hmm. Like, this is a disgraced family. What are you doing? This is wrong. Now their disgrace transfers to you for three generations, blah, 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 blah. And that could be an interesting way to follow up on that. No, that would have been really cool. But instead, he just goes off and we never see him again. And I mean, the fact that, like, you could also have Kern, like, very quickly realizing that there's a lot of holes in everyone's stories about him being a... uh, the, uh, the son of this family. Right. It's like, well, I'm not in any of the books or anything. Well, they might have gone back and retro-whatevered. I don't know. Klingon's not super great about their uh, about backing up their paperwork. <laughs> the thing is, we, th- we've dealt with... I can't remember specifically. I want to say it was in Season 2 of Next Gen because I remember Pulaski being involved. We've done this memory wipe thing before. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just... it It's a super, like... It's that sort of Braga-ish thing that I don't like. That sort of... You just wave a hand and it's not a problem anymore. And it's a technology that has so many potential problems. Mm -hmm. Like, there's no way it could just... Like you say, there's no way it could just perfectly wipe exactly the right amount of memory and not raise any questions. And, like, it's... It just... It's it's too problematic. It's too, like, easy. I don't... I don't like it. Yeah. So, yeah. No, it's it, it it's a cop out. It uh, it makes way too many holes that they're not interested in, in yeah. filling in the story, and it just it bugs me. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. And you know, DS Nine, you're better than this. Yeah, they they usually are. And it sucks too, because other than that, I actually really like this episode. Yeah, me too. And I like how the subplot at first feels unrelated, like oh, we're just going to follow up on the uh, what the Klingons have been up to. Yeah, and then it nicely ties back with Worf and Kern going and trying to expose this stuff. Mm-hmm. Although they just sort of wander onto a Klingon ship where they say, yeah, we're going to tow the 10 survivors to the station. And they wander on, and, oh, hi, you must be part of our crew of 10 guys. Yeah. I love that the it's a terrible plan. And when they get to the ship, the one other Klingon they meet is instantly just like, I don't know who you are. Yeah. Well, I outrank you. Oh. Well, I still don't know who you are. Are you questioning me? Yes. Yes, because I still don't know who you are. Yeah. There's like, it's like you say you're a commander and that you outrank me, which is fine, but I would know who the commanders on this ship are. There aren't that many of us. Yeah. Especially since most of us died in a, in a you know, freak accident just now. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I do like also what the Klingons are up to. Mm-hmm. I like that they have these cloaked mines. Yeah, that's a really cool concept. We've talked about... um using like how cool it is when they use star trek uh yeah like existing technology in new ways yeah yeah and the the cloaked minds are a really cool concept yep and we will actually see an expansion of that concept uh in a future season mm-hmm. where they take it a step even further yeah which is even cooler and that's not really a spoiler because i'm not telling you that being said landmines are not a very honorable weapon for yeah but but we've <laughs> talked about this neither is cloaking nope like i'm not i'm not sure how that works either well, and there's also the old theory about how, uh, you know, an honorable people have a knife specially specially built to uh, stab someone in the back effectively. Yeah. Now, there's so, there's a lot of issues if you get into the... Like, I don't think honor means what we think it means. <laughs> that does not mean what you think it means. You keep saying that word. <laughs> well, it's like I pointed out a few weeks ago. Kor... Was it Kor? Might have been Kor. Kang? I don't remember. Whatever Kodos. the surviving Klingon is of the three. Um, uh-huh. I kept lying. And everyone oh, yeah. was fine with that. That's mm-hmm. not very honor at all. No, but it is the way he does it, see? Yeah. Well, all right, then. 
But anyway, no, I like that there's this sort of continuing background thread because the Klingon War stuff's going to come up again. Yeah, and, and it's, like, good, like, it, it, it's good to keep it, like, on people's radar, you know? Yeah, I, and not just bring it up, like, mid-season and end of the season. Like, mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Yeah, well, and, I, you know, it, it's also, it's a good idea when you're doing a Klingon episode like this to also be all like, yeah, we've also got a war going on. We should maybe keep an eye on that. Yep. It's not really a war, but it, they canceled the treaty and threatening to go to war. Mm-hmm. But still, it's it is good to to keep following up on that. Yeah. Um, um, that's pretty much all I had. What about you? Yeah, that was my. That's everything I really sort of wanted to hit on. You got a quote? Um, I do have a quote, Let's and it, it actually ties into the last thing I want to talk about. So that's handy. Let's play that. All right. Who are you? I am Worf. Are you part of my family? I have no family. So, great line, great last, uh, great last line for the episode. Uh-huh. Uh, minor, uh, minor quibble. Mm-hmm. Don't you have a son, Worf? <laughs> well, actually, um... Ah! Uh... Ron Moore brought that up. Mm-hmm. And said, yeah, we realized uh, maybe sort of subconsciously he was saying, uh, oh, right, I have a son, don't I? <laughs> yeah. Uh, not a, not my problem anymore. Yep. He he really he really just is a very terrible father. He, well, he's a terrible Klingon. He, he's a terrible a lot of things. He's, We've talked about this. He, There's not much that Worf is good at. Good boss. Yeah, that's, that's about it. It is about all. Yeah. All right. So is that it? Um, yeah, I think so. Very well. Uh, pressing forward to the other episode called Bar Association. Uh, we begin with the friend to all children, Rom, who has an ear infection. Oh, boy. While Bashir is casually probing Rom's ears, which, let's not forget, are the Ferengi equivalent of the tip of the penis, he asks Rom why he doesn't take any sick time from the bar. Rom tells him that there's no such thing as sick time in Ferengi culture, so Bashir and then O'Brien proceed to explain why Ferengi culture is stupid and that Earth is a socialist paradise and that every culture should be like Earth. And so Rom becomes a revolutionary because this is the last thing he's heard and he's literally only capable of holding one thought in his brain at a time. <laughs> he rallies the employees of Quarks together in a labor union and actually says stuff like, Workers of the world, unite! Because quoting the Communist Manifesto is a great way to get the audience on your side. Then Liquidator Brunt from the FCA, as seen in previous Wacky Ferengi episode involving Quark's mother and apparent and her apparent disturbing lack of nudity, shows up and threatens Quark because the FCA's charter seems to be something along the lines of we add insult to injury. <laughs> also, probably the word profit is in there somewhere. Now Brunt and his Nausicaan enforcers are threatening to break someone's legs if this shit doesn't get sorted out, and then they break Quark's legs because I guess it's his fault? Like I said, insult to injury. Anyway, it all gets resolved and Rom quits the bar, which should be good news, except he hasn't actually left the station, which probably means the producers have plans for him and will be seeing him a lot more. Oh, goody. Meanwhile, in the B story, Worf asks if he can build a pillow fort on the Defiant. <laughs> accurate. That is accurate. That's exactly what happened. There, There is a fun subplot of Worf just getting progressively more frustrated with life aboard the station because it's different space stations be different than space than spaceships oh god i love and this basically ties into your quote yes if it you want to do this if you want to get this out of the way i love Worf going to complain to odo uh stuff like this never happened on the uh, on the enterprise oh really yeah here's here's that 
But what I want to know is how such a security breach was allowed to occur in the first place. Unfortunately, these things happen. They did not happen on the Enterprise. Really? Now, let me see. Stardate 46235.7, Ferengi privateers led by Damon Lurin boarded and seized control of the Enterprise using two salvaged Klingon birds of prey. Stardate 45349.1, Berlingoff Rasmussen, a petty criminal impersonating a scientist, committed numerous acts of theft against the crew of the Enterprise. Shall I continue? That will not be necessary. And I love that Odo just happens to have that pad handy. Oh, he reaches right over. Like, yep. right within... He doesn't have to move. It's right nope. within arm's reach. I, Pushes I, two buttons. Yeah, I was waiting for this conversation to happen. Here it's we been go. coming a long time. All right. Yeah. Let's see. April 31st. <laughs> Wait a minute. There's only 30 days in April. Shit! You've caught me. <laughs> no, and I also like that he probably didn't have to dig very hard. Like, nope. this all seems like a matter of public record. Well, he went off and watched Next Generation. Yeah, exactly. And took notes. Yep. Much like we have done. Yeah. He wrote an episode guide. <laughs> he and Quark do a podcast. <laughs> yeah, that all fits. Cisco does the intros. You were listening to the Post-Atomic <laughs> Horror Podcast. With Constable Odo and Quark. <laughs> Um, no, that, See ya, folks. It is a it is a funny uh, a funny little subplot though. That, yes, it does occasionally intersect with the main plot, and I do mm. I do enjoy that. And Worf basically decides, and now I'm going to live on the defiant. Yeah, I'm just going to sleep here because fuck this quarters getting broken into. It's and, much nicer over here. Yeah, and it's quiet. And somebody says, "But you'll be all alone over there." Exactly. Yes, I will. Yep, I'm into it. So. I, but I mean, plan. honestly, that's pretty much all I have to say about the the the, the B plot before yeah, we go into the main. Yeah, there's not a whole lot going on there. No, I like it. It's cute. Yeah, like it's a fun little just like here's a fun thing for Worf to do while all this is going on. But that's basically it. And mm. continuing the fact that he and, and Dax are becoming sort of friendly, like they're they do their um, workout thing again. Yep. They actually call back to the stuff they were talking about in the episode before, which I liked. Yep. No, I like that the show's like not afraid to do that kind of thing. Yeah. Which is very cool, um, but the main the main plot is you know Rom forming a labor union. Mm -hmm. <sighs> I I know, honey, I know. Okay, I'm just gonna go into my bad thing. I still do not like Rom. Mm -hmm. He's too stupid. He's too easily led. The story of the first Ferengi union leader is actually interesting. I think like th this is a revolutionary thing in their culture, and th somebody's finally deciding, hey, this isn't fair to everyone. Let's maybe do it a different way. Mm. But I have a super hard time believing that Rom is that guy. Well, my um, my good thing is actually the exact opposite of that. So okay, like I actually really like Rom in this one. Finally, okay, but do you like Rom or do you like what Rom is doing? I like the things he's doing. I like a lot of the stuff he's doing. My problem with Rom is, and we've talked about this many times before, the fact that he's basically goofy. Well, there's the voice. No, I mean like the character Goofy. Right. I don't like I don't like the fact that like all of this stuff that I actually like all this interesting stuff about, you know, the labor union and everything. Like I like him fighting back against Quark. I like him, you know, trying to take control of something and 
you know, actually make his life better for once. Sure. All that really interests me. I just wish that it weren't coming from this guy. Well, that's and the thing. The, is... prob- the problem is that they set that up way back in season one. Yeah. The thing is, I like I say, I like the stuff that they're doing. Mm-hmm. I like the stuff that's happening. I don't believe that Rom is the guy. And it's not just because of the voice. Mm-hmm. It's because the way they've established the character. It's because the way the actor plays him. And I don't necessarily think he's acting badly. No. But I do think, like, it really does. Like, I made the joke in my summary. It's the last thing he heard. But really, Chief O'Brien mentions his ancestor, Sean O'Brien. And the rest of the episode is Rom saying, let's be like Sean O'Brien. Like, nobody knows who that is. You're literally just doing the last thing Chief O'Brien said. I actually like that every time he brings that up, people are like, who's Sean O'Brien? Yeah. Well, he's he's a famous human. No, he's not. I asked some humans over there. They don't know who that is. <laughs> the humans over there are like, who's Sean O'Brien? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Bashir and, and, uh, and, and Cisco are like, nope, never heard of him. Nope. <laughs> Come on, Sean O'Brien. He was very famous in Ireland. Look What's before- Ireland? <laughs> Look, before I met you, Chief, never heard of him. <laughs> yes, I will admit that it's something you've said. <laughs> but you say a lot of things. Yeah. Especially you can... when you've had like four or five Guinnesses. In fact, in this one, they were fighting some some ancient uh, Irish battle. Yeah. And uh, Brian Bloodaxe and that sort of thing. And, uh, yep. Who apparently O'Brien thinks he's related to. Well, I, I don't remember where I read this. It wasn't Memory Alpha, I don't I don't think. No, because I didn't see it there. Yeah, but I remember reading in an interview or something that it's actually uh, like half the people in Ireland say that they're direct descendants of uh, whoever this guy was. Yeah. Well, and in fact, there's even a uh, Discworld. Brian Blessed or whatever. There's Yes, Brian Blessed. <laughs> Brian Blessed is considerably older than I thought he was. Brian Blessed is like a hundred. Yeah, no, he's in his seventies, which yeah. really amazed me because there was a. And I'm going on topic here for a minute, but so, <laughs> um, there was a gift set I was looking at on Tumblr where he's talking about meeting Picasso in like 1946. I'm like, yeah. that that can't possibly be right. He must have just been born in 1946. No, he was. Nope. He was born in like the 30s or something. Brian Blessed cr- climbed Mount Everest like two years ago. Yeah, just unbelievable. Why Nothing was, can kill Brian Blessed. Why was he never a Klingon? Right? Oh my god, he would have been perfect! I know, that's what I'm saying. Glory to you and your house! <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing! Well, it's not too late. No, it's not! I mean, whoever, you know, uh, uh, Roberto Orki, I guess, uh, see see if you can make that happen. Yeah, get him for, uh, get him for Trek 3. Like, I don't want Trek 3 to be all about the Klingons, but you could have a Klingon character in it still. I assume it's gonna be called Star Trek Out of, Dar- Out of Darkness. Right. Now, now we're, now we're out. It. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I, I just, I feel like Rom doesn't like, it, it, it just, I don't believe that he's smart enough to make this happen. See, they've been trying to do, they've been trying to set up where he's smarter than people think he is. Yeah, but I'm not, the actor is not conveying that. No. The actor that's, is still playing the him they, as an idiot. That's the thing. They tell us that, but we're not seeing it. Yeah. You need to show. Yeah. And right now, what it appears to be between the way it's written and the way it's performed is that he's he's stumbled into this. Mm-hmm. Like that that's what it feels like is this set of circumstances is happening because he accidentally made it happen, not because he's smart enough to engineer it. See, I would even be fine with that. Like, you know, if it turned out that once he'd stumbled into it, he was good at it. Yeah. But we don't see any of that either. No. He never has a moment where it's like, okay, well, now this is what he's actually good at. 
Like, that actually would have made for a much better episode if he'd sort of like, I should start a union. I don't know what a union is. <laughs> oh, shit, I'm actually really good at this. No, in fact, he mentions Brother. when when Bashir brings it up the first time, we know what unions are. They're strictly forbidden in our culture. Yeah. So he knows. Mm-hmm. He could just say, well, you know what? My mom's a bit of a hellraiser. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break with tradition as well. Yeah. Because this, this shit doesn't, can't stand. Like, that would have been much better than just going with what was suggested to him. Yeah. Because now it feels like, okay, maybe it's not a prime directive thing, but it's clearly interfering with another culture. Like, it's clearly O'Brien and Bashir saying, well, this works for humans. Why don't you make your culture like that? Mm-hmm. Fucking stay out of it. It's, in our defense, we weren't actually try, We weren't actually trying to get him to start a union. We were just telling him about our unions. Well, that is true, but... You it's, know. Not, it's not our fault he does whatever he's told. And then, like, the next day, Chief O'Brien says, yeah, and I'm a, I'm the chief engineer. Ooh, I'm going to be an engineer, too. Woo-woo. Yeah. Not that kind of engineer. What? Whatever. Duh. I've already forgotten about it. Just that voice and that... Uh, Didn't I used to have a son? <laughs> Tell me about it. Yep. Uh, <laughs> oh, right, Jake. Uh, what was your bad thing? Um, there's a, there's a scene, uh, so we have, uh, Brunt show up. Mm-hmm. Brunt? Liquidator. Brunt, Brunt, who, the first time we saw him, played by Jeffrey Combs, who we remembered being a great character who didn't really do very much. This time he's definitely upgraded a bit. Yeah, much better in this one. Yep. Um, and I'm not gonna lie, when he does that, uh, Brunt, Liquidator Brunt, FCA, FCA. I get a little smile every time. But, um, so he brings a couple of Nausicans with him, who we've seen before. Um, so there's a scene where hit, where Brunt and Cork are talking, and we can see the Nausicans in the background playing darts, mm-hmm. uh, on each other. Yeah. Like, they're throwing darts, and they're sticking in each other's chests. I See, I didn't notice the first time. Occasionally, like, I'll be looking down, taking notes, and I won't be watching everything that's happening on the screen, and I missed it the first time. Yeah. And you pointed it out, I was like, oh. I always catch the background shit. That's where Best Cup came from. I See, honestly, like, I, I look for it in shows, you know, like, modern, more modern shows like Arrested Development or, like, a lot of the more modern comedies, but back in the day, they just didn't do much with background stuff, so I don't really pay attention. Mm. But, um, like, I, I, I get it, guys. They're tough and they're stupid. Seriously, you need to have them throwing darts at each other? Yeah. Like, I feel really? like that wasn't in the script. I feel like the actors might have, uh, might have, um, suggested that and they just ran with it. And then they come over to threaten Quark, and I'm like, well, if they're gonna do this, they should still have the darts sticking out of them. Nope! Yeah. Couldn't yeah. even land that joke. <laughs> I it's was like, in the zone. It's like, guys, you take the premise and you run with it. Come on. Yeah, exactly. You don't just you don't just stop short. That's what's the point. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good thing. Y- you've given us a premise, and now you're not going through with it. Come on. Yeah. That, that's comedy writing 101. <laughs> you can trust me on this. I have a podcast. <laughs> you have several podcasts. That's true. But Human I don't play write jokes darts. for this one. Um, my uh, good thing. Mm. There's a scene, okay, talking about uh, the Starfleet guys and, and their respect of, of other cultures and stuff like that. This comes up again, like two episodes in a row, where Cisco has, has been put in a position where he basically has to say, I don't give a fuck about your culture. This is this affects me. Yeah. And in this case, he says, first of all, I don't care about your culture. But that said, I have to respect it and let it do what it does. So fine. However... I am your landlord, and we don't have money, and I haven't been charging you rent, but uh, now it's time to pay up. 
Yeah. I've decided that now is a good time to, to charge you four years of back rent, and uh, that's a lot of money. Which And I am well within my rights to do so. Yeah, and so that's Cisco basically saying, I can't just say, fuck your culture, so instead I'm going to play by your rules. Mm-hmm. And I like that a lot. Yeah. This is the kind of thing we get. I love seeing Cisco do. This is actually something that Picard did well as, as yeah. well. He like he would figure out what a culture's thing was and and play by their rules. Like yeah. he did that with the Klingons. He did it with a few other guys. It's one of the reasons he was such a good negotiator. Right, but it's nice seeing Cisco doing the same thing. Like, okay, mm. you you want to play this like a Ferengi? I could play like a Ferengi. You owe me money. Yeah. Oh fuck. And <laughs> planned on this. Yeah. Which is nice. And I love, in my head, my, my, my image of this is Cisco taking the money, flushing it out the airlock, or shooting it with a phaser, yep. or just, like, throwing it away somehow. What are you doing? I don't even need this stuff. We don't use it. No, I just don't want you to have it. Yeah. That's, that's not fair. I can't even try to earn it back. That's right. Yep. Don't piss around with me, buddy. <laughs> I will take everything you love and throw it away. <laughs> I will step on your dreams. Oh. The thing is, like, I know we're supposed to take Rom's side. And, and okay, putting aside the fact that I don't love the character, I for the most part, I do take Rom's side. But there's a, there's a bit toward the end where Rom is just completely unwavering. Like, he will not negotiate. Yeah. It's either give me all of my demands or nothing. Well, Chief O'Brien forgot to tell him about negotiation. He just told him to never give in. Right. And so that's what he's going to do. He's never going to give in. I guess. But it's like, I then I start switching to Quark's side where it's like, wait a minute. He wants to play ball here. Why don't you at least try to negotiate a he little bit? He wants to play ball and he almost died. Yeah. And they're going to come kill me again. And he's like, oh, oh well. That's rough. Yeah. I know they're not going to kill me, so I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm invincible. I don't care. Ugh. Yeah. Just not great. But, I mean, overall, the thing is, like, while I didn't like uh, Rom, I do, in general, I, like, this episode is not bad. Mm-hmm. And I like the idea quite yeah. a bit. It's certainly better than the last Ferengi episode. No, this is probably the best Ferengi episode we've gotten. Yeah. The last one we got was Little Green Men, and that was only, like, a few weeks ago. Yeah. But Also uh, better than, uh, oh, God, what's the one I'm thinking of? The last Brunt episode. Oh, yeah, the one with their hilarious mother. Uh, and her hilarious nudity. Uh-huh. Or lack thereof. Uh, I think I'm going to go throw up some more. Uh-huh. That's the worst part, though, was that she was naked in that episode. Yeah, I know. Well, she was supposed to be. Remember Rom's face on her lap? I do. That was Boy, our cover I art. I sure do. <laughs> I made that the cover art. Oh. Uh, this, this, this episode has a unique distinction. This is mm-hmm. the first and only time that masturbation has been mentioned in Star Trek. Yeah, so if you're wondering if they still do it in the 24th century, I have good news, everybody. Well, the Ferengi do, anyway. Mm. Humans have evolved beyond the need for masturbation. Oh, God, this is indeed a disturbing universe. Can you imagine? No wonder everyone's always so uptight. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. I, I I don't know. Like, it's it's not even funny because it's ROM. It's so fucking broad. But, yeah. But in different context, it wouldn't bother me. Like, you can basically hear the trombone. It's like... I've been practicing too much Umox. Oh, who's the lucky girl? Just me. Yeah, very much so. That means he's jerking off. Yeah, but again, it's that whole, okay, so the ears are an erogenous zone, and then, like, in the next scene, you got uh, Bashir poking around in them. Yep. So, like, I don't know. I don't know. 
Sometimes the sometimes they can make the uh, the joke culture the jokes from the culture work. Yeah, the sometimes thing is, sometimes so they're much. they're funny to me, honestly. Yeah, and I do feel like this is one of those times where this is probably why I like this better than most of the other Fringe episodes. This feels like a real issue mm. instead of like a broad comedy issue or like a just a ridiculous like the 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 women aren't allowed to do anything. Just feels so clubbing you over the head that it just doesn't yeah. work for me. I mean. Obviously, I agree with the sentiment that women should be equal, but I just think they handle it so badly. There's no subtlety. Right. Whereas this isn't subtle either, but it feels like, okay, in a culture that's built entirely around economics, it's an interesting thing that you introduce some principles of of basic workers' rights, socialism, labor, you know, like workers having basic, you know, workers being treated like humans yeah or well, crazy, like, whatever it, rom even says it at one point he's like we don't want better rights for our workers we want our workers to get good enough so that they can take rights away from other people yeah and it's another it's another instance like we were talking about in the previous episode where that makes total sense given what we know about the culture absolutely for a ferengi to be taught that yeah you're going to be exploited but the goal is to work your way up until you become the exploiter yeah that's that totally makes sense that's in that how, culture, and that that system works for us. Yeah, um, but I mean, we're not on Ferenginar, right? Again, we're on a Bajoran station, right? Run by the Federation. Yeah, but, they frown on they frown on worker abuse for some reason. <laughs> but overall, I do like the idea that that this culture has this coming that you mm-hmm. can't run a society like this forever. Eventually, the workers are going to rise up and, yeah. and expect something better. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's an and then Ferenginar turns into a communist paradise. <laughs> like I say, I think it's a bit surprising that he's uh, quoting the um, the Communist Manifesto. Like he actually a direct quote from Karl Marx's Communist yep. Manifesto. <laughs> wow, our hero, ladies and gentlemen. That <laughs> could be worse. It could have been like Atlas Shrugged or something. I suppose that's the true. exact well, opposite. Well, Quark would have been quoting that probably. Yeah, exactly. I feel like the, the Ayn Rand is a, a pretty you know, popular thing on Ferenginar. Hey, these humans are okay. <laughs> what is your second question? <laughs> um, was that a reference to John uh, Hodgman? To John playing Hodgman playing Ayn, Ayn Rand yeah. on the Dead Authors podcast, yeah. That's what I thought. Well, that is the first thing I think of when I think of Ayn Rand. <laughs> well, that's fair. The second thing is Bioshock. <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> um... I know, that's pretty much all I had. What about you? Uh, let me just have a quick... I didn't have a whole lot of notes here. I mean, like... No, it was a <clears> decent <throat> episode. But it's a it good was, episode, yeah. you know. Not a whole lot going on in it. Yeah. We get uh, we get to know some of Quark's staff a little better. Yeah. And they're ridiculous, nasally Ferengis. I don't know that we're ever going to get to know any of them again. Nope. But we get more Lita, and I like... And not just because... Uh, not just because she's attractive, but in general, I find her kind of an interesting character. Yeah. We got we got my new favorite character, Frule. The nasally, I, which one was he? He was the nasally Ferengi that ends up on the floor. Oh, the crouching one. The crouching one. Yeah. He's talking. He talks like this, but with a southern accent. <laughs> Quark. We were talking about this. Like, are you from the deep south of Ferengi? <laughs> we're gonna make Quark come back, come back to the bar and set a spell. <laughs> Where did y'all learn to talk like that? <laughs> City Ferengi. <laughs> you, you got real pretty lobes, boy. <laughs> Squeal like a targ. <laughs> you you mentioned that uh, the theme this week appears to be fuck up brothers. 
Pretty much. I like that. Uh, this is Worf and his idiot brother. And Quark and his idiot brother. It's almost a poem. <laughs> uh, that's oh, just... we have uh, we have Worf and Worf and Chief O'Brien and Bashir fighting it out in the bar. Oh yeah, that, well, Chief O'Brien and Bashir. You know, one of the nice running things in this season has been their their growing friendship and yep. just hanging out a lot. I feel like O'Brien's just really bored and lonely because his wife's not around most of the time, mm-hmm. and so he's just spending most of his time with uh, Julian. And uh, they're, they, they've taken to, okay, we're not supposed to hang out in Quarks because we're, we're uh, sympathizing with the, uh, with the union. So we're going to hang out just outside the bar and make bets on who's going to go in and who's going to yep. like respect the strike. And Worf goes in and they're like, wait a minute. They go in after know, him and get in a fight. Apparently he's not a fan of labor unions either. I think Worf probably doesn't know what that is. I don't understand why he's going in there at all. Like, we've established he fucking hates Quark. Yeah, he doesn't like Quark, and it's not like... Not in the adorable Odo doesn't Yeah, like not Quark in the pretending not to like him Odo way, but in the but general... But in the I can't fucking stand the sight of you way. Right. No, and, and we've established, you know, we just talked about this. Anything Quark can give him, he can get from the replicator. Yeah. It's not like Quark grows plums to turn into prunes to squeeze prune juice for him. No. Like, it's replicated prune juice, almost certainly. Yeah, you can just go down to the, to the replimat. Right. Or his quarters. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm not really clear why he would go there anyway. But on the other hand, I feel like he doesn't know what a labor union is. Not because he's stupid, but because he's just so oblivious. Like, his yeah. cultural perspective is, I, I don't know, a bar is where you get drinks. What, yeah. what do I know about, like, labor? Like, I've never worked a retail job. I don't know what that means. <laughs> like, I, I can appreciate that. Yeah. I don't, I don't feel like he's necessarily crossing the picket line so much as just ignoring what's going on and going in for a drink. Yeah, which is why I don't understand how a fight could break out. Well, I think O'Brien challenges him, and he's like, ah, just want a drink, leave me alone. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I do think it's funnier that we don't see it, though. Yeah. And I do think it's hilarious that, that O'Brien and Worf both find it kind of amusing that Julian got really hurt. Yeah, like, the two of them walk out of this fight fine. Yeah. Julian's got a huge gash on his forehead from when he got flipped over a table. Yeah, and they both just kind of like... Yeah. It's pretty great when we flipped him over the table. Yeah, it was. It was yes, awesome. it was. Not that I want to look like I'm becoming friends with you. Right no, now. no, no. God, no. Thought we were friends. But I, I do like that almost immediately, uh, Worf and O'Brien, like, they're not holding a grudge. They're both like, yeah, we both maybe went a little too far yeah. with this. and the, it's just a, It was just a bar fight. You know, these things happen sometimes. Who started the bar fight? Was it you, <laughs> Chekhov? Apparently it wasn't a reference to that. I was surprised by that. Yeah, but they specifically said in Memory Alpha that fans think it's a reference to that and it's completely not. Huh. So, yeah, I don't know. All right. All right. Anything else? Um, I th- No, I think that's everything I wanted to hit. Yeah, same here. All right. So next week, two more episodes that I don't remember. No oh, uh, no spoiler stuff, right? Uh, no, actually okay. nothing, okay. really. All right. Uh, and with that, we're going to leave now. All right. See you, folks. Welcome to Duncan Time Shovel. This week... Wait. You know this isn't the show, right? It's not. But about beer and everything. What is it, then? It's a trailer. For what? The show? No, but it could be a trailer for a trailer. They're a thing now. Selfies are too, but I'm not doing that. Besides, it sounds like a lot of effort. 
true, I'm amazed you agreed to review all of the Doctor Who from the beginning. It's only six series, alright? Right? Join English Gav and Irish Gav on a journey through time and space. From the very beginning. Ah. Available now on iTunes. For more information, visit drunkentimetravel.com. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2014. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.